The Radio Fam Podcast. TheRadioFam.com. Radio Fam, we have made it to the season finale of season six. Yes, that's right. This is episode 10 featuring Danny V. Hill. And I thought it was good to end with him on this um you know, being it a few weeks before Morning Show Boot Camp, because he is hosting our producer panel. And he's actually been involved with Morning Show Boot Camp in the past, hosting the panel. And also when he was working for Wise Brothers and like doing stuff with Studio Think Tank, if you're familiar with that. Um, you may know him from that. I guess he was the big drink ticket guy, apparently. Um, but also was like putting um, up like YouTube content and like hosting um, like essentially digital panels back like eight years ago, which I thought was really cool and like hadn't learned that until just now. You know, typically I'm aware of kind of like our social media digital people and I just like had no idea um, what Danny had been doing in the past. And so it's been really cool to learn about that as we've been planning for morning show boot camp. Um, so yeah, I thought this was a good one to end it on because also um, I have, some of you have missed this announcement because you know I was having some technical difficulties last night and could not yeah, we won't go through that. But um, so I had to put this episode up without the intro. And why I just have to make a note of it is that not only is it the season um, finale, but I'm going to take my break now. And I know it's kind of last minute. And I didn't give any warning, but that's just kind of there was last minute things coming up, you know, people needing to reschedule. I had a guest that had COVID. Like, so just all these signs pointing to you should probably take a break, especially with, again, morning show boot camp coming up. Uh, the move that I'm doing, you know, will be from a new studio which is great, but it's, yeah, I think it's time to take the break right now. We'll recollect. Hopefully if you're, you know, if you're a new listener, as I say, I always encourage listen to the old episodes or you can watch them at uh, the radiofam.tv and that'll take you right to our YouTube page. Um, there's also other playlists from some of our other like um, radio fam people that have some good uh, content that you can learn from, you know, like Chris Cruz and his home studio and all that. Um, so anyway, you know, if, again, if you're coming to Morning Show Bootcamp, I hope to see you there because I won't be able to check in between now and then. Shout out to uh, Brandy and Nick. I'm so sad that we can't see you this year but I think it's cool that you're sharing the love with your radio station it's cool that they will send people out uh that way and you know we hope to I don't know maybe like have morning show boot camp around different places too eventually um to just you know I don't know change it up a little or something so if you have like suggestions of where you would love to see morning show boot camp you can email just just email us at info at the and I'll get it to the right people my mom was very much like she listened to country music and it was like that early 90s country music. No. Oh, she's and, the best. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> she was like the early 90s, like Alan Jackson. And it's fine. Like I grew up with it. So it's fine. Or on my way to school, my mom would be like in her 85 Camaro playing like uh, this country music. And that was like my first like memory of music. But I, I liked the idea of just of music in general. I want to say fifth grade. Fifth grade stands out for me for some reason. And it was the, I, there was this uh, a radio station in Albuquerque called Wild 106. It was 106.3. And it was like hip hop, R&B, like rap music. And I that that's what all my cousins listened to. And so I would like listen to like rap or R&B music or, and so I'd listen, but the only place I could get it was the radio station. Cause my mom wouldn't buy me those albums. I didn't have money. So I would just go listen to wild one Oh six. And I remember I loved listening cause I loved that song. Uh, I'll be missing you by Puff Daddy and, uh, whoever the girl, Faith Evans. Uh, I, I don't know why I just loved that song. Like that was my jam. 
And so I would call, I would call the request line constantly. And I would be like, Hey, can you play? I'll be missing you. Mind you, this is probably like six years after it came out. Like it's not a popular (laughs) song. Yeah. (laughs) Spend hours sitting on the phone, letting it ring. And then finally you hear that noise. What? 106. And of course you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. Always. Can you play? I'll be missing you. They would be like, yeah, sure. Whatever kid. And then they'd hang up and I'd sit there for hours in my room just listening, waiting for that song. They would never play it. Really? Never play it. No, it was one of those things. They never play it. And I was like, all right, cool. And so I remember being really jaded on like radio DJs for a long time for that reason. I mean, I was like 12 years old and I wanted to listen to I'll Be Missing You and they wouldn't play my goddamn song. I mean, I listened to the radio because that was like my only access to non-country music. Um, but I feel like I did. I was like, oh, whatever. The DJs are never going to play your song. So I guess I just not going to listen to them. So I had one of those boom boxes that just had like two speakers, a CD player and a cassette player. I could record music from my CD player onto the cassette. Okay. This probably was like fifth or sixth grade. And I finally started kind of getting into like pop music slash rock music. My aunts had this other boombox from like the 80s. And it was like this like square thing with two cassette players. And so I'd put what you could do with that one was you could put a cassette in press record. And I guess there was a microphone somewhere on it. So it would record your voice. So I would put that in press record and I'd be like, it's Danny and or it's Daniel. I don't remember what I used to call myself all the time. And, and I would just talk, like I wouldn't be, talk to anyone specific. I would just kind of talk and I would talk about like music and pretend I was talking to people. I would take, you could take the tape. So I, when I was done recording my voice, I would take it out. I put it in my other move box and put a CD in and then record the song onto the cassette. So it was like this makeshift radio show. Now in your head, were you thinking it was a radio show or it was just something you were putting together? I mean, I knew what a DJ was obviously. And I knew that like they introduced songs, but I didn't like the, the concept of an actual show where I'm like talking to people for entertainment purposes. I mean, I like, I guess it was like rudimentary in my mind. Is that a word? Yeah. Uh, it was like very like, very like simple in my mind of like, yeah, I, if I was on the radio, I would talk to people and play songs, but like, it wasn't my intention of like, I'm going to create my own radio show. Do you I've have the never, tapes anywhere? I don't know. Yeah. I, I, you know, I was just thinking about that. I don't know if they are. My cousins were in town. They were all going to go to the river of lights, which is a huge like uh, thing in, in Albuquerque. And, I got a migraine headache that day. I used to get migraines like once a month um, because of Jesus. That's a different story. (laughs) Um, I used to get migraines once a month and I, it was terrible. And I got one the weekend that came in town and we were supposed to go to river of lights that night and I couldn't go. So I went in in my room and I'm just recording my own little thing. And I I remember just bitching about having a migraine that day and being like, I got a stupid migraine today. You all know how that is. And I was just like the the stupidest like story about having a migraine headache. And then I was like, and here's NSYNC. (laughs) You were like kind of podcasting. Kind of. I used to watch the Disney channel a lot and they were always like radio Disney. We're all ears. And I was like, yeah, we are. they dealt with kids a lot more. So they would actually like interact with you, which was cool. Like as opposed to wild 106 who were like way too cool for you. The one time that I've ever won anything from a radio station 
was I was in Chama, New Mexico, which is a small town, thousand people. Uh, that's where my family started. Uh, like my grandpa and grandma lived. You couldn't get Radio Disney up there. They didn't have cable up there for like till probably till I was 16. Like it was like a very small town, satellite dishes type of thing. Um, but I remember going up there and it was probably, like I said, around that same five, fifth, sixth grade time. And I was like, I'm going to call the radio station because I'm bored at my grandparents' house. So I got the phone and I kept calling. And I remember ring, ring, ring. Radio Disney, you just want a yak back pen. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, if you can name five things that smell good, we'll give you a yak back pen. And I was like, okay. And they're like, do you want to play? And I was like, sure. I went to sixth grade and I got all my skater friends. And if, I mean, I don't know. You're, you're around my age, but it's like one of those things where in, in sixth, seventh, eighth grade, like the skater kids, like they were anti everything. It was like, oh, let's just let's go skate. And uh, then then you got into the punk rock and punk rock was really anti radio. I mean, I had a shirt that said the radio still sucks for the longest time. <laughs> And I was, it was so great. And I would always be like, yeah, I hate radio. Like they don't play, they don't play these bands. And so for the longest time, like I just wasn't really into, into radio at all. Like, cause it was like, well, I, I, they don't play the bands that I listen to. My mom raised me by herself. She was a school teacher for 35 years, something like that. So like ha the idea of having a job outside of like your normal, Hey, you're going to grow up and be a doctor or you're going to go be a teacher or whatever it, that concept didn't make sense to me because it was like, you can't be on like those people that are on TV, like they have opportunities or it's like, you know, whatever. So having this kind of job when I was a kid just wasn't, it, it didn't seem possible for me there. There was a show in Albuquerque called, uh, the buck and deck show. And it was on one Oh four. Well, at the time it was one Oh seven, nine, the edge. And that was like the thing, like a lot of people listen to Buck and Dex and like a lot of people, sorry, in the rock world, listen to Buck and Dex. And it was like, I would listen to him and it was pretty funny. They talked a lot of MMA though. And I just wasn't really into like MMA. And I remember a lot of times thinking like, oh, okay, I can turn on the radio and listen to first off, like these guys that everyone like listens to. And secondly, I can like maybe hear rock songs. Cause once again, I, my, I didn't have the internet until I was 19. Um, oh my God. yeah, it was a lot. My mom did not want to pay for internet. Like she, it was just a thing in our house. My mom was just like, you can go to the library and listen to, listen to music there or chat with people on teen chat zone, which is what <laughs> I did. Uh, my punkness, that's not a word really set in, <laughs> okay. but it was like, it was like, yeah, I hate the radio. Like they don't play, they don't play rancid. They don't play less than Jake, like all these, all these bands. And so, but I remember one time I tuned in and they played Goldfinger and I was really excited that they played Goldfinger. And then they came on after and Dex was talking about how great of a band Goldfinger was. And I was like, fuck yeah, Goldfinger's awesome. Like, I love these guys. So I'd listen to him, but I remember distinctly getting mad because they wouldn't play enough music. I was like, why are these guys always talking? Like, this is so annoying to me. Like, why do they talk all the time? Like, I'm not listening. I'm not listening to the radio for them to talk, like, which is so ironic. So then how did you make that transition then from being a listener to then actually be somebody that was interested in doing it. First thing when I went to college was like, I'm going to be, I'm going to do business. Cause like, that's what, you, that's what you do when you don't know what to do with your life. And I found out you had to take calculus and I was like, well, guess I'm not going to do business anymore. Uh, so I stopped taking cal or I stopped 
like with I dropped the whole business degree thing. And so I was working at this place called Campfire taking care of kids. And so my second thought was, well, I I like taking care of kids. And so I started doing uh, early education, whatever you call it. I was on that kick for about like a year, a year and a half of like, I'm going to be a teacher and I'm going to do elementary school. But then I started realizing that because I am still a child, like mentally, I was also five years old and I realized that I would not be a good teacher. Like, so at that point I was like, well, what, what am I going to do with my life? I started just concentrating on, on English. And, um, so like parallel to this whole story is I'm, I quit work. I got fired from working at the children's place. And so I started working at, uh, it was this place called Kiva juice and it's basically just a Jamba juice about local to New Mexico. And I worked there and it was fine. Um, it making smoothies and it was back in the food industry. So I didn't have to fold shirts. So I was good. Um, and I started working, working my way up through Kiva juice and I just worked there. It was a job that paid my bills in college. Like, um, and I became store manager. I mean, mind you, the minimum wage at the time was like five fifteen an hour. Oh my god! So, it, but rent in Albuquerque was like six hundred dollars a month for like a one bedroom. So that was cool. I ended up working with our corporate office a lot, and so through through my trust with or their trust in me, I should say, uh, they were like, "Hey, Danny's Danny's a good person to put in charge. We're going to sponsor this mud volleyball." So they put me in in contact with this lady named Colleen who worked for uh, Citadel media at the time. And after that, after the event was over, she's like, you'd be really good in promotions. And I was like, promotions and what? And she's like promotions and radio. So she's like, just come to the radio or come to, I don't think she said radio station, come to the, come to the office and fill out a resume. I'll help you out. So I go and I'm like, show up at a radio station and I'm like, Oh, like an actual radio, like, this is cool. There, there's on air lights. That's cool. Like totally blowing my mind that I'm like in a radio station. I'm pretty positive it was January, 2009 is when I finally got a call. She's like, Hey, you still want a job? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, great, you're hired. <laughs> and it was like, cool. I always wanted to be a Red Bull kid. Like I wanted to be one of the Red Bull girls that drove around and gave away free Red Bull. Cause everyone fucking loves them. Like I was like, this is awesome. Like I get so stoked when they show up at the skate park and they're there. Yes. I was going to skate parks when I was 19. Um, that being said, like, it was like, I, I and so this was like the closest thing because I was like, well, I'm, I'm working on this promotions. I'm working as a promotions assistant and you get to show up, give away free stuff, free pizza, hang out with like radio talent that's when like really I started getting like super excited about radio. It was like, all right, not only is the promotions job cool, but then also, then I realized like, oh, there's a radio station. Like I could walk down the hall and be on the radio. That's awesome. And so not even, I wouldn't, I would say probably not even six weeks after I started, I was already like, well, how can I be on the radio? I started asking questions like, how do you get on the radio? Like, is it, I want to be a host. Like, is that, and I remember somebody, I don't remember who gave me the advice, but they were like, well, why don't you just go talk to, go talk to the DJs and like, let them know that like you, like you want to be on the radio and they can give you tips and stuff. So I remember going to John, John Forsyth. Uh, he was the host of John and the pop tarts on the, the pop station show. It was John and two girls. And, um, they had been in the market for like 20 years. And I remember going to John and being like, Hey, like I, I want to be on the radio. What can you like, what can I do? Can I do anything for the morning show? And I'll never forget that. He's just like, 
well, we need a danger boy. And I was like, what? And he's like, Leo will get in contact with you. So Leah calls me and she's like, are you all right with getting set on fire? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, okay, show up on this day. Ended up being canceled. I never got set on fire, but their idea was they were going to send me to a movie set with a stunt guy and set me on fire and have me be on the radio when it all went down. So I was super stoked about it. And I was like, yeah, never ended up happening. But then I remember they called me and they're like, well, um, do you have a diaper? And I was like, no, but I can get one. So I go to this, I go to Walgreens and I buy like depends and they're like, all right, you're going to be Cupid and you're going to hand out flowers or Valentine's. I don't remember exactly to single women, uh, who are driving to work in the morning. And, and, and that's, so I was like, all right, well, if we're doing this, we're going full bore. So I went and bought these like red, red stocking, red and black stockings, put on a diaper, went shirtless, borrowed some angel wings from this girl that was in one of my communications classes. And next thing I know, it's the Friday before Valentine's day. And I'm on the busiest street corner of Albuquerque, San Mateo and Montgomery, uh, handing out Valentine's hugs to women who didn't have a Valentine. I didn't set up a Marty or anything. I just would call the, the request line and they would put me on. And I remember this is the time that I realized you are not supposed to be a host. They put me on and I just stammered through the whole thing. I was like tripping over my words. I was nervous. And at that point it was like, I, I don't think that I can, I don't know that I can be on the radio. Like, I don't know that I could, like, this is really hard. Like talking on the radio is really hard, but I at least just want to be involved. And, um, I was doing like the danger boy stuff and like calling in and I started like editing video, um, around then too, because it was like, I had my, my, uh, Mac for school and I had iMovie. And so I would just kind of start messing. I would mess around with it. Like, um, my main thing that I was doing at the time was the promotion assistant. And it was like 16 hour days on the weekend. You start at 10 AM, you go till eight o'clock at night, just doing event after event. I would argue at that point, I still wanted to be on the radio. Like I still wanted my own show. I wanted it to be the Danny show. Or at that point, uh, my best friend, Scott at the time, who was all I met through, um, being a promotion. He was also a promotions assistant and he started doing traffic, um, on air. We were like, we want to do a show. So it was like the Scott and Danny show. And so we started, we made a, a Facebook group, um, called I want Scott and Danny on my radio thinking that like, Oh, we'll post you marketing. It was so bad at the time because this is, you know, this is five years after Facebook started, six years after Facebook started. So there wasn't a lot of option in terms of like advert, like there was no advertising yet or anything. There was just like, we made a Facebook group. I want Scott and Danny on my radio. And I remember we could not figure out how to get clips of what we, cause what we would do was we'd just go in on the weekends and we, we would record into audition like just like what we thought a radio show would sound like. Mm -hmm. And then we try to take that or we'd actually, and we'd also even just try to do like small bits too, like just like funny bits. And we'd like take that. We, we couldn't figure out how to put those on Facebook in the group without just going through like YouTube. So we would do that. But then there was like some like crazy, like alternate apps that you had to like download that would like post directly to Facebook for you. And I remember this being like a thought in my mind. I was like, if we just post stuff on Facebook, like we're going to get thousands of likes 
it's going to be awesome. And then we can go to like our J JJ, our PD and be like, Hey, Hey, did you see how many likes we got today? Like, let's be on the, put us on the radio. It's I remember not a bad thought. Like, honestly, like I like, like the base of that thought process is not that bad. JJ, our new, our, he wasn't new, but he had been there only like maybe two, three years. He came in and was kind of looking to revamp the station and John and the pop tarts were no longer. And it was a huge thing. Like, oh my God, like John is gone. And so I remember I heard they got fired and I ran to his office because I was in the production room. I, I literally ran down the hallway to his office and I was like, oh my God, is it true? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, what's going to happen? And he was like, oh, well, I'm just going to be the interim uh, morning show host until we hire somebody else with Kiki. Um, and But Kiki was going on vacation that week and it was just going to be JJ. And I was like, well, do you mind if I show up? Like maybe I could help in some way. And he was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. So like that whole week didn't get paid for it at all. Just showed up every morning. The first like three days, he, it was, it's not that he didn't act like I wasn't there. He just like, I wouldn't be on the air. I wasn't doing anything. I was just kind of like there to hang out and like watch him run the board uh, and do the morning show. And granted it was like, since he was interim, it was like very short breaks. It was like almost just like an afternoon show. Uh, but by the like Thursday, he turned on my mic and I remember being like, what? And he would like ask me a question and I'd be like, this is awesome. I'm on the radio. And so I, I would do, I did that. Kiki came back and the three of us did the show for a while. And, and when I say three of us did the show, they did the show. I sat there uh, and kind of like just whatever they needed. Like he never told me to stop showing up. So I just kept showing up and I didn't think I was bugging him, but that's when I started doing like a little bit more video. I would, I think I had access to the K, the, the KOBFM Facebook page from doing like the danger boy stuff. And so I would like post stuff and, and like, just like very like elementary type things. Uh, about a month later, they hired a new guy and his name was Mike McKenzie to come and do the morning show. And it was going to be the McKenzie in the morning show. I went in to meet him, but he said something to the effect of like, Oh, this is Danny. Um, he kind of just shows up in the morning. Um, do do with him what you will. He's like, so tell me about yourself. And so like I told him my whole story and by the end of it, he's just like, all right, look, I need a producer and uh, I want you to be our producer. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but I'll, yeah, sure. Just kind of like taught me what he wanted me to learn. And he gave me examples of like, well, I want us to be a show like Dave Ryan's show. I never heard of Dave Ryan before in my life. Um, and I was like, all right. So I started listening to Dave Ryan. And then it was like uh, little Tommy in, in San Diego with Jeff and Jerry. Like he's, he's the kind of producer I want you to be. Like, I want to get to a point where if you take off a day, like I need to be off because I can't do the show without you. In that nine months that he was there, he taught me how to do everything. Now he and Kiki did not get along. Let's to put it lightly. It was just a very like stressful time in my life because I just remember being at the radio station from 4 a.m. until one or two in the afternoon and just doing production, learning stuff. And I was just always tired. I ended up like not really wanting to do radio at the end of it because it was just like one of those, like, I, I don't know if I can, I wanted out of that. I wanted out of Albuquerque. Long story short, he ended up getting fired um, and not fired. I think he ended up quitting. I, it, they let him go, something of that effect. And so then here we go again with this like revamp of and here JJ comes back on on the morning show. By this point, though, that nine months had taught me a lot. So 
I remember the first time, the first show that JJ came back to do it with Kiki and I, um, I prepared a show sheet. I gave it to him, like had it on his, on his area, like before, uh, he showed up. I had, I, th- I don't remember. I don't think I did Kiki show business, but like I had like a, and I had all the stories printed out and I was like ready to go. And he showed up and he's like, Oh, this is awesome. Like, so he saw that I did that and he did the show for about a week that time. And then he was like, I, I mind you this entire time. I'm just thinking like, Oh, I'm not going to be able like, they're going to hire somebody else. And Carlos was the afternoon guy at the time. And they, they were like, well, he has a 15 share in the afternoon. So we're going to bring him down to do mornings and kind of bring his uh, audience too. Plus I will say that the McKenzie in the morning show never really got off the ground, but we also were hated by most of the people because you took off a 20 year morning show and replaced him. Looking back on it, it was a really good move on the station's part. And I think we could have done some great things if we would have had more, more chances. And I remember at that time, that's when JJ came to me and was like, all right, it's going to be Carlos Kiki and you're going to be the producer and we're going to call it the, or you guys come up with a name for it. And I was like, oh my God, like this is what this is happening. And so we came up with the name morning mayhem with Carlos Kiki and Danny. So my name was on the show, which I was like, this is weird. Cause like, I never thought that would happen. And they came to me with my contract to sign to go full time. Cause up until this point, I was just still part-time signed my first contract in radio. And that was probably 2011, 11 or 12. I didn't have the confidence I needed to as a producer at the time. And I'm fully aware of that now. There was there was still some hostility, especially between Kiki and I, because just I mean, it was just it was a toxic work environment with with Mike and Kiki, the way that they they ran things. And it's it's no shot to either of them, honestly, like it was just not a, it was just a they didn't get along. And that's the way it was. And I think that for a long time after that, it just kind of resonated because it was like, well, we were part of that show and unfortunately you just can't be part of that kind of like toxic show and like necessarily think the best in each other. So I think that that being said, we did really good things. Uh, We won a New Mexico broadcasting award one of the years for best entertainment show. Um, But that's really where I kind of like, I started gaining the confidence to where it was like, all right, that first year was rough. But then like after that, it was like, all right, I'm doing the show sheets. I'm printing out all this stuff. Carlos really trusted me with everything that I was doing. And, um, that's when, like, I started going to the sales meetings and then, and then I would come up with ideas. Like, it was just like, well, once, excuse me, once again, diary market, like what's the best way we can get out and be out there. And I was, I was willing to go out and do that. I would take an intern from the show or a promotions assistant and say, Hey, like, I want to do this. I want to do Chuck your weenie for fourth for 4th of July. Let's go. We're going to go out to Cracker Barrels parking lot and buy hot dogs. We're going to get a small grill and you're going to chuck it across. The, and if you land the hot dog on the grill, you get a prize like, and we're going to video video it. And that's where I like, I, we had those flip cameras at the time. So super easy to take and do it. And they gave me full creative control with, with doing the videos and then posting them. Like they didn't care. I mean, they didn't even care if the the video was good at that point. It was like, Hey, we have content, like do it. Like that was one of the funnest times in my life because I felt I was very confident in what I was doing on social media and with videos and stuff like that. I wasn't confident in myself on air. 
I was very like, I would question myself a lot. I didn't necessarily open up my mic that much, even though I was on the show and my name was on the show. I, I remember having multiple conversations with JJ where he's like, no, you're the producer. You tell them what they need to do and they need to listen to you. And it's like, ha, okay, I'm 23 and they're older than me. They've been doing this a lot longer than I have. I could never get past that, that, that mindset of like, no, you, I need to be the one who like dictates what we do towards the end of it. It was like, I would just do things where it was like, I would come up with ideas and I would do them myself. I ne- wouldn't really bother them with it unless they were, it was something where we were going to get paid. Cause most of the stuff we did for free, we didn't get paid to do any of this. It was like, especially the videos and stuff. So it was like, I don't want to bother them with being like, Hey, come do this free thing when they had families and stuff. And, uh, but that's kind of like where, that was a time in social media when things were just going viral. There was no like caps on things. Like you could post a meme and you would get 17 million likes on it. And with that, your page would grow too. Yep. At the time I was touted as like social media manager or he really knows his social media stuff. And it was like, I, I mean, kind of, I just, and we're all kind of, I mean, I, I'm fully stuck in that life, that mindset of like what worked back then should work now it doesn't you you have to do different things because facebook realized that like you have all these pages blowing up and they're not even who wants to go to a radio station page when they're put because they got viral because of a meme that has nothing to do with radio that you know to facebook that's lying and i get it but on the same token it was like that that's what a social media manager was back then what you were doing then to grow the page and, and knowing the memes i mean that's you know you're right like that's how it worked and that's what a lot of people should have been doing you need to be creating content as if you're doing your radio show all the time. People make it way too complicated. And I think that a lot of times it's like, okay, you put all this effort into doing your radio show as you should, but at the same time, like you should also be doing content on your, on your Instagram that would also gain that exact kind of uh, engagement. And it shouldn't be just memes. It shouldn't be just relatable content. Like it should, obviously it should be relatable content, but meaning like it shouldn't be things that aren't related to you and your radio stations brand, your personal brand, whatever it may be, because at that point, what's the point? I I don't see the point of doing, of, of just getting followers anymore. That's not where we're at. Like I, that's not where I'm at personally. Like I don't, if you don't know who I am as, if you don't know what I do, like, I don't want you following me because at that point there's no, there's no point. Like, I want you to be engaged with me. I don't want you to be just like following me because I posted a funny meme one time. Because you do the social media right now, right? Like for the morning show, like their Twitter and their Instagram. Technically, I'm the social media lead, but I also give that that title to Vicky on our show. And Sarah also runs it for BJ's personal pages. Um, and we kind of just we're a team like we all we all try to work together. I don't like being a leader by any means because it's like she she's an She's been at KSW since she was interning when she was like 19. Uh, so it's been probably even longer than that. I think she's, she's been here for 12 years now or something like that, 11 years. Um, she knows the show and she's been part of the morning show that entire time, interning, working for them, whatever. And so when I came here six years ago and it was like, hey, you're going to be the social media lead. It was like, well, I didn't say no. It was like, all right, whatever. But I'm not going to try to overstep Vicky because Vicky knows the tone of the show. She knows what they do. She knows what they like doing. And at this point, I think that all three of us are fantastic at what we do. Just, we need to be, we, we communicate, we, we get each other when, when one of us forgets or like a lot of times 
since I'm a producer, like if people take off, it's my job to, to fill in for them. So it's like at that point, um, I message Vicky and, and Sarah and say, Hey, like I'm going to be doing Joe's job today. So like, I'm not going to be able to post on the BJ Migs page. Can you make sure it's up to date and they keep it going. And it's, it's really great that we have a team that's able to do the KSW. It just celebrated its 51st anniversary in Seattle. And, um, luckily with a heritage brand like that, you know, you have, you don't have a lot of pushback from corporate necessarily, unless you're just completely doing things wrong. But like, you know, we have on top of our show, we have like, uh, Taryn, who's our, who's our social media or like, I, I forget her action. I think it's digital captain for the station. She also overlooks a bunch of other stations too, but like she's also on air here for the evenings. And she's great because she, she gets all the stuff down from corporate in terms of like what, what we have to post or what we should post or, you know, she also deals with like the sales end of things where if they have things that they need to post, she handles that, but then dictates or not dictates. She's a dictator. No, she, she tells us what, you know, where we're, we need to be. And she sends out plans of like, if we're doing pain in the grass, like that's our main focus. And she tells, she gives us options, but then she's also very lenient when we like, she wants us to post, it's all about engagement. And she knows that it's like, take chances. What you're saying. She doesn't put up all this red tape. There's a lot of times where it's like, ah, should I post this? Ah, it's a selfie from a Sounders game. Yeah. And she's like, yes, absolutely. Post that. And it doesn't matter if it's during my show because social media, the way it works these days, it doesn't matter if you, whenever you post, you might see it three days from now, but like we want to show that we're local. We, and so it's really great that she's like that, but then we get to have the freedom of doing what we want to do with that, with not a lot of, with not a lot. And then there's also the aspect of the corporate stuff. You know, there's corporate, um, blogs that they want us to reshare and stuff like that. But that's all covered because we have such a great team at KSW in general that it's like, if we miss it on the morning show, Taryn's going to get it later. Castle's going to get it later. And we can we all kind of work really well together in that way. Like how many make your team entirely? Oh, uh, we have, I mean, we're really hurting for people. We only have seven, uh, which is <laughs> before I found out about KSW and started working for BJ and, and uh, Steve, um, I would always go to boot camp, and they were so intimidating. Like this show was so intimidating because at the time they had eight people on the show, and they would always roll in like this big crew, this rock crew with like their big old beards and tattoos, and it was like one of those like, oh god, like I don't like, and they would always like they and they were never rude. Like I never, I just didn't know them. Like and so it was like you just I, have like a vibe, yeah. <laughs> We're all really nice. We're all, it's kind of like a big family of brothers and sisters who just pick on each other constantly. But um, yeah, we have seven people and and that's all credit to BJ. You obviously have like the two hosts, but then like. Yeah, so it's BJ and me. So originally it was just the BJ Shea morning experience and he was the main host. Steve was his main producer uh, and they had other people just doing the different things. Um, when they hired me, it was right after they rebranded to BJ and Migs. Uh, they made Steve the full-time co-host. Um, and it was kind of like, well, he needs to focus on, on, on co-hosting. And so we need somebody to help him out with like producing. And luckily I was, uh, working for wise brother at the time and knew a lot of people and they came to me asking and I was like, well, I could do it. And they're like, well, if your name's in the game, like, and they flew me out like the next day. So it was like, it was, it was super cool. Like, um, but anyway, so yeah, uh, 
it's, it's BJ's the host, Steve's the co-host. Um, and then there's Rev who's call screener slash producer. There's Vicky who's like social media. We're, we're all producers to some, to some extent. Um, there's me who's the producer slash I am a board op. And we all, we have like a third, like a, so we're all kind me, Vicky and Rev are kind of like a rotating third mic. We all have mics in front of us. We can all chirp in whenever we need to. Uh, it's mostly between BJ and Steve, but then like if they're talking food or music, like I'll turn on my mic. If they're talking like stranger things, Netflix shows, movies, nerd stuff, that's all Rev and Vicky. Um, because I don't, I don't watch a lot of TV. Like I'm not that nerdy. No, I'm kidding. And no, it's true. <laughs> I'm, we're just nerdy in different ways. And that, and that's kind of the beauty of our show is that we kind of all embrace just our, our own nerdy geekiness. You know, when you do have the team and the resources that you're able to get these things done, you know, actually have social media content to look at and actually like, you know, like you said, I mean, I love the sound of the, or the teamwork stuff, you know, like, oh, this person's gone, will you take care of it? And like, I mean, most people are just like, well, I'm the only one doing it. So like when I'm on vacation, like it's not happening or they have to, or they do it from vacation and whatnot. And, and you're able to actually then have a full, uh, a, I guess a better recharge. So when you come back, you can be, better you know a better creative a better producer and you know if you're just constantly on you just never get that rest it's it's the best team that i've seen that i've ever worked for in radio because it's like one of those like no we all respect each other we all know each other's limits we all and we all uh, we all can be there for each other with different things so i we didn't even get into after i stopped working for KOBFM. i worked there for three years and then i started working for wise brother um, because basically I just wanted out of Albuquerque and, um, I was, I was pretty stressed out at my job in K at KLBFM. At that point I was like, I should start working for Wise Brother because I was really into studio think tank. I started meeting a lot of people through, through that and I would be able to kind of go to them and talk about, you know, I met Rick Rumble and Zach, Zach Jackson and T little Tommy and all these people that I heard about for years and I was able to DM with them on studio think tank and share ideas and stuff and Eric Rao and you know shout out to Eric and and Tommy they really were the ones who took me under their wing as a as a young producer and let me bitch or let me bump ideas off of them and and uh through that it was kind of one of those things of like I remember so to your question about about uh morning show boot camp. I, the first time I wanted to go was before I started working for wise brother, I was about to pay my own way to go to boot camp, And this must've been 2000, 2012, 13. I don't remember. It was around there. And, uh, my station wouldn't pay for anything. They were just going to give me the days off. Uh, the, my other coworkers didn't want to go that year. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go. I booked my, I booked my registration, uh, shout out to Don because he like let me pay only like two hundred dollars because I was like freaking out that I I made nineteen thousand dollars a year like I made no money so I was like my mom was gonna pay for my flight to Chicago, um, but in that time I started talking to and 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 once again shout out to people on Studio Think Tank but like Rick Rumble was like I'm buying you your first round since you purchased your registration and Zach was like you can sleep on my floor if you want like when you come just get to morning show boot camp and so I was like all right so I made it happen but in that time I interviewed with Wise Brother and which is I don't know how many people know what Wise Brother is so I'll just say it's just a it's a 
radio prep service. And I was like, I just kind of want out of the day-to-day grind of working on a morning show, and I, but I still want to be in the, in the industry. So I worked, I interviewed with Wise Brother, got the job and made a whopping $40,000 a year. And that was like, oh, like I never thought I would make that much money. And I uh, doubled my salary. I doubled my salary. I moved to California for um, three months and then uh, moved back to Albuquerque because I realized that California is expensive. And I found out I was having a, my daughter and I was like, yeah, we can't, we can't live in California and have a baby. That's ridiculous. Um, so we moved back and, uh, but I worked for Wise Brother and I went to my first boot camp, and it was, man, it was like, it was everything that I wanted it to be and more in terms of what, like I thought boot camp would be. There was, I met people that I hadn't, that I didn't think I'd ever get to meet. Um, everyone was so welcoming and which I had heard it, it, it that didn't necessarily used to be that way. Like back in the nineties, there was kind of like this, like weird, like cloud over morning show boot camp of like, Oh, there's a lot of people who go who have big egos. And I went and it was like, you don't, I didn't get that at all. Everyone was welcoming. And ever since then I was like addicted. I like wanted to go now. Granted, I worked for a company wise brother who sponsors, uh, uh, different things at morning show boot camp, And I got to go every year and I got to be the best person ever because they would give me the drink tickets. So I would just hand out drink tickets from wise brother and give people free drinks. Oh, it was amazing. Like, uh, people would like seek me out. And then of course, like people knew me through, through wise brother and studio think tank. So like people knew who I was, it was just like a really cool feeling. Now, granted when you're a sponsor of an event, as opposed to just attending, there's a lot of work involved. So I would have 18 hour days, um, of setting things up and talking. And I was very tired for three years of morning show boot camp. But then after that, um, I got the job here at KSW and Don has, did that help at all? The boot camp, like meeting any of them that way or yes. And no is I met Steve through studio think tank. Um, but then I met him in person at morning show boot camp and hung out. And then I, the first that was the only person I met. I think I may have said hi to BJ, but it wasn't like a conversation. And then, um, in 2014, 15, 14, 15, I, I hung out with, I was still with wise brother. We sponsored the event. I hung out with Vicky and Sarah on the show and we went out clubbing that night. Um, and after that, me and them were really close and so when Steve was looking for a producer, came and told them like, hey, I'm, you know, Danny's, they were super stoked. Well, probably not actually, they probably hate me, but uh, no, they were, they, they've told me they were super stoked. And so like coming here, it was like, I got to hang out with Sarah and Vicky. I met Joe and really kind of like started hanging out with Rev and got to actually talk to BJ. Um, so yeah, definitely morning show bootcamp was something that helped with that in terms of like, I feel like if I didn't meet Steve in person and didn't hang out with Vicky and Sarah and they weren't able to vouch for me, it might have been a little, it might not have worked out type of thing. I always say morning show boot camp is one of those things that like the panels are great. Don't get me wrong. Love the panels. My, my panel is going to suck terribly. So don't go to that one. But, uh, (laughs) uh, no, but really it's, it's the networking. Like you want to go, you want to meet people, but yeah, this year I'm, I I really kind of wanted to take a look at, uh, the producer panel and kind of take, take a look at what producer means in 2022, because 
you know, we we've really the past few years kind of jacked everything up. But not only that, I feel like even before that, I feel like the term producer is is viewed in such a negative way in our industry because it's like, well, we can't afford a producer. How do we get a producer? And it's like, well, a lot of times a producer is started the exact same way I did. You you intern, you're a part timer, you get into it and it's like you want to be on air. But then you realize that it's like you end up getting kind of pushed into this producer role, which isn't necessarily looked upon as great because sometimes you're behind the scenes. Sometimes you're not on the mic. But how yeah, I mean, it is necessary. People that have producers really love him. And it's like, well, how do you how as a host do you utilize a producer? How do you get somebody as an intern and get them to be the producer of your dreams, get them to be a rock star producer like Eric Rao or little Tommy. And how do you go to bat for them? Because a lot of times you like, you're making $19,000 a year. That's not, that's hardly livable. And, but there are producers out there who, who make the money, who are able to sustain themselves, who not, who don't necessarily know what producing even means. And I think that that's the people that I want to talk to you is because it's like, well, with this panel and saying like, okay, I have Dave, uh, and Jenny, I have uh, Mercedes and Steph, and I have Hollywood Chris and Eric on my panel. And it's like, I want to take a look at how does Dave view Jenny? How do, obviously great because like she's part of a show, but how do you, how do you make that person what you need for your show? And also Jenny, have you ever had any frustrations with it? Like how, how is this going to happen? Like how does this work and how do you make it work? How do you trust your hosts? Uh, how do you trust your host? How do you trust an intern who doesn't know anything about radio and eventually make them the person who controls your show? Like it's such a, it's such a cool concept for me, especially with newer people who are going to be at boot camp to be like, all right, like I never thought about producing in that way. So then I guess for the future of you, is that kind of what you like to do is just, you want to help the younger generation of producers in radio and whatnot and kind of showcase what their value is and why it can help your show, uh, morning show be successful. Our industry is at a place now where we need new younger talent, younger people uh, to come in and really kind of not even revamp. Cause I think radio is going to be fine. I think radio is one of those, those industries that is always going to be around and I think it's going to hold its own for years to come. But I think that with having, new blood, new, new people who are excited about it, new content creators, new whatever. I think that we could bring a lot into this industry. And I think that for me, it's now looking at myself as, as the old vet of the industry. I'm not, uh, I, I just think that it's, inch, it's, I, I, I can't wait to look, to talk to people. We'd love to hear from you. Make sure you email your questions or ideas at info at the